Friends, Romans, countrymen, let me ears. Hello, everyone. You are tuned to the MC Lars podcast. This is episode 86. It's April 20th. We got MC Snacks, part one of a two-part interview with one of my favorite Canadian rappers, one of my favorite homies, and uh, a dude that I met. Well, we, we did a collab a few years ago, and then we kicked it at Insane Clown Posse's Dark Carnival Games convention, which Violent J's brother, Jump Steady, organized, invited us to come perform there. And Snacks were there. He helped us do merch. Uh, it was just a really good time. Anyway, since then, he and I have done some other songs. And uh, he opened for us in the Colum- on the Columbus show of the tour, the Baby Yoda 2020 campaign trail, which honestly feels like 10 years ago now. Um, I hope you're all doing okay the quarantine. My next show is opening for Twisted with Schaefer the Dark Lord at Too Many Games in Oaks, Pennsylvania on Friday, June 26th. Hopefully that will still go down. I'll update y'all if that isn't happening. Um, but that's my next show. Like I always say, the Age of Ultron song is coming out. It's actually coming out this week. Patreon doing all my MCU stuff. But before we get into that, let's check out the MC, the MC Lars. Lars. Patreon, Patreon Lars Lars of, the, of week. the week. This week, we have Jeff in Maple Shade, New Jersey, who talks about discovering me on Pandora through the Less Than Jake station and the positivity of the Scott energy. That he found in my music. Um, before I play this, I wanted to say if you want to be a guest on the MC Lars podcast and leave a message or a story, here's what you do: sign up on the Patreon, Patreon.com/slash MC Lars. Not only do you get two new songs a month, I will play your message when you call. You get a secret phone number when you sign up, and you get a free T-shirt. That's what's up. That's crazy. So here's Jeff. Jeff, I sent you a T-shirt and I sent him a bonus cassette of the Zombie Dinosaur LP. I'm gonna send those two until I run out, so uh, you can't get that anywhere else so check it out this is jeff's message hey lars uh this is jeff calling um i would say the first time i had heard you was actually uh sitting at work working at a hotel at a front desk after college uh you know had gotten my degree and didn't have really the job to show for it so making very minimal amounts of money working at the front desk i would listen to Pandora when it was called the Human Genome or the Music Genome Project. And I believe you came up on one of my less than Jake playlists uh, with this gigantic robot kills. Um, obviously made me look further into your discography from there. And one thing we've always appreciated is that while it was a song that really spoke to heart about, you know, uh, how the Scott community feels and, you know, kind of sometimes gets reminiscent about those days is that you're a hip hop artist, but you're part of the ska community, um, which is a really great thing. It's, you know, you're the type of person that can blend and merge with the um, different genres. Uh, you clearly have an appreciation for genres that you don't necessarily um, record in uh, as, a, <clears throat> as a hip hop artist, but obviously you have people um, that you do collaborations with on your album that are from that genre. And I think that's an incredible thing. And, you know, what you've been doing since we've all been in this quarantine situation has been nothing short of so phenomenal and appreciative um, with doing the live streams and just doing so much Facebook interaction with, you know, with your, uh, your fans, your family. So um, keep doing what you're doing, man. And appreciate it so much. Uh, take care of yourself and your family. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, thank you so much. I hope you're doing okay and sending a lot of love. This is my interview with MC Snacks, part one of two. Here we go. MC Snacks. MC Lars. Sub. What's up? On the MC Lars podcast. How's it going? Um, you are from Mount Pearl, Newfoundland. <laughs> yes, sir. Mount Pearl, Newfoundland. Born and raised. <laughs> uh, yeah, born and raised. Absolutely. But you've lived in America. I have. And I want. We were talking about like maybe getting you on this tour mm-hmm. to help and open. And it didn't quite work out, but mm-hmm. we wanted you on one show mm-hmm. at least. Mm-hmm. And Columbus worked out that you could get down here. It did, yeah, absolutely. Why did we pick Columbus? Remind me. Uh, well, I just had mentioned like towards the end of the tour, um, it would probably be more convenient. 
And that was one of the dates that came up and we just kind of went for it. In terms of timing. Yes. Um, and it was a really good show, man. Man, thank you. You was, did great. Good turnout. Oh, you guys did great. It was incredible to be a part of it. That's what's up. MC Snacks. So those of you who may not be aware, I've done, how many songs have we done? Uh, three or four now. Jeez Louise. We so did. one of mine and three of yours. <laughs> or two of yours. Two. We did the Ninja Turtles one. Uh, the Shredder one? Uh, Jar Jar. No, we didn't do the Ninja Turtles. Oh, we did the Jar Jar. Jar Jar, Narnia, and Medicine Man. Oh, my gosh. Three. We've done three songs. So those of you on Patreon <clears throat> have heard Snacks a lot. Those of you on Spotify, I have a playlist of all of my collabs. That's on that. And you've put out quite a few records. Mm-hmm. We met through ICP love, though. That's right. Exactly. We bonded over our, uh, our, our love of the hatchet, if you will. And I remember the first time we met IRL mm-hmm. was at... DCG Con. In Denver. In Denver. You helped yeah. us sell merch. I did. You kicked it with DJ and me. Mm-hmm. You were very helpful. And I was like, this is a cool guy. I want to be his friend. Oh, man. Absolutely. I thought the same thing. That's what's up. And the rest is history. Let's open this pack of Roger Rabbit cards. <laughs> you watched <laughs> yeah. Roger Rabbit recently. Semi-recently. Yes, I did. Because we had an emotional talk about it. We did. And it means a lot to you. And I wanted to, you know, experience it because I hadn't watched it up until that point. And these cards are super cool. 87. There's gum in there. Let me taste the gum. I I can still smell the gum. Are you going to go for it? (laughs) I think they probably heard that crunch. Is it foul? I like. I got to drink some water. Yeah. You want to eat gum that's over 30 years old? (laughs) No, this is. Yeah. Okay. That's rough. Y'all heard that crunch. I only (laughs) had a tiny piece. I'm impressed, though. That's gross. Okay. So. Let's talk about these cards. Oh so a fan goodness. brought these. They're mint condition Roger Rabbit cool. trading cards. Was this tonight? This was a few nights ago, but I thought it'd be fun since we talked about the movie. Oh, man. To talk, talk about a few from random moments from the movie mm-hmm. and then talk about talk about the movie real quick and then tie it into like the whole MC Snacks thing because cool. I feel like you have a cool cartoony but serious vibe and that's who framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, yeah, cool. So I thought it would be tight. Maybe pick, yeah, pick one that picks your mind and see if it reminds you of any scenes. Oh, my gosh. You're laying gosh. them out on the table at the hotel. I am, yes, a lot of Judge Doom final scene cards. There here. are. Okay, here Is we go, Baby Is that a sticker, Baby a Benny the Cap sticker? Uh, I don't know if it's a sticker, but it's just, oh, it looks like a... a I think it's a sticker, dude. Is it? I don't know. Wait, let's see, let's see. Oh, Peel. Yeah, you're right. It is this a sticker. This is ill. Dude, we got That's a Benny the Cap cool. sticker. You can put that on your laptop That's or something. That's gangster. Look at that. This, these are dope. Okay. Man, these are super dope. Okay, we got some Baby Herman too. So, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, those you may not know, is a movie from 1988 combining live action animation. Uh, and uh, these cards, the, the Roger Rabbit trading cards are cool because they look like movie um, movie film. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so what's up? What's, that, what's the top one? So, the top one is just hanging around that. You'll know that scene better than I do. Just hanging around. This is where Eddie Valiant walks out. And he's about to drop down, and he meets Bugs Bunny and um, Di- and Mickey because he comes to this building, mm-hmm. and he comes out a door, and it's a bathroom that's not finished. Oh, okay. Remember that scene? I vaguely Bugs- remember it. And I'm, <laughs> I'm going to emphasize the word vaguely. Yeah. Um, I do remember Judge. Okay, Judge yeah. Doom getting squished. Judge Doom's demise, where he's melted, and you realize he's a toon. Yes. Anyway, who framed Roger Rabbit? It's a it's a really beautiful movie about friendship and kindness. So good. And it's about, I think it's a movie about faith because mm-hmm. Roger reminds Eddie to have his faith in goodness. Mm. He loves working, that he really needs to be there to help tunes and to have his faith in good and just the concept of goodness. Mm-hmm. You're a man of faith. I am a man of faith. We've talked about that a lot. We have. You gave me a C.S. Lewis book today. I did. You got, you still haven't read it, right? The screw the tape last, letters? Yeah. I have not. Oh, man. It's going to blow you away. Tell me why you love it. Oh, man. All right. So it is, well, it was written, I think, first. So I think those letters were actually published. I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't published as a book originally. Like these letters, fictional letters from like a demon who's like coaching his nephew demon into like messing this guy up and making him sin and stuff. I think these letters were published in like maybe newspapers or something over a course of time. And I think it was the first one was back in like the early 1940s, 41 or 42. And yeah. they're still applicable today if you believe in like spiritual warfare and that there are, you know, good forces and but also bad for forces trying to put us in the wrong direction. Like it's kind of breaks down how they would do it. 
And even if you don't believe in the supernatural, it's at the very least like a very interesting book when it comes to like psychoanalysis. Right. And it's just, it's very insightful. So they are writing each other, trying to like plan this um, sabotage of this good guy. That's right. Yeah. Interesting. It's very I, I'm excited to read it. And also that, um, that era, there was a literal world war. Mm-hmm. And England was like being like, like, beaten to a pulp by the yes. germans yeah so like that's that that i'm sure that resonated the, yeah and they mentioned the war and it might not come up in this in the ways that you would expect huh which is really cool i don't want to say too much okay but you just screw tape yeah the screw tape letters it's something else we did a song i think it was about lion witch in the wardrobe where you play mm-hmm. aslan i did I think yeah. it's a great verse that was a, that was quite the honor who knew you. what do you say who knew the king of narnia had a tail in a mane that's right yeah maybe that's what we end with on this podcast we'll end with that song oh man yeah cool that'd be tired, right? good idea. Yeah, yeah you did great on that oh thank you you did great um a lot of people don't know so okay icp's whole dark carnival serves as an extended metaphor mm-hmm. in the way that narnia serves as this metaphor for heaven mm-hmm. and aslan as jesus i guess and god mm-hmm. and th- that's what's interesting about the dark carnival and people don't know about that because they just think oh icp magnets haha they don't have college degrees (laughs) poor people like them Mm -hmm. and they they get a bad reputation but there's some like deep morality and oh my goodness absolutely and you it's interesting talking to you because you understand it from like the nerd core nerdy perspective like Mm -hmm. the educated perspective and from the like juggalo perspective Mm -hmm. you have an interesting intersection Mm -hmm. um Let's talk about that. Let's talk about their concept of Shangri-La, right? Mm-hmm. And how that's similar to Narnia. Yeah, absolutely. So they, you know, like they have not just like a concept album, as you know, like it's a concept discography, basically, with their Joker's cards. They're on the second deck. And as they say, like each Joker card tries to get you to look at yourself to see if you're on the right path when it comes to like the eternal, <laughs> your your eternal destiny in the afterlife. So it's very much about morality and trying to be a better person. It's like, and I don't know how much they want people to break it down when it comes to theology, but their belief system, if there was a systematic one, seems to be pretty works-based and insane clown posse music. And that a lot of people would argue is like, probably contradictory to a more like biblical Christianity. She said it's more works based. Works based, yeah. Meaning that they are trying to inspire people or Well, I guess like that you get to heaven by your own good deeds or being a good person yourself. Right. And a lot of from what I understand, not that I'm an expert in religion, but most religions are that. But most people would say that Christianity is unique in that most major denominations, not all, but most seem to be, it's not like works-based. It's the only thing that um, justifies you, as you know, is your faith. Your faith. Yeah, exactly. Being quote-unquote saved. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> as someone who's been like a juggalo since I was 11 years old, but someone who also, you know, considers myself a Christian, I don't know how compatible the two belief systems are, but there's definitely morality involved. There was an interview that, that, what is that? It was like they were in the cl- ICP and Jay were being interviewed. And I'm sorry, Shaggy and Jay were being in- interviewed in this closet. And the guy asked them, would you consider yourself Christian? Mm-hmm. And Shaggy says no, but Jay said yes. Yeah. And in his, um, you listened to the Behind the Book, or sorry, Behind the Pain audiobook. Yeah, right? holler. Great, he, great listen. If I'm not mistaken, in his chapter that talks about the Dark Carnival, I think the chapter might be called the Dark Carnival. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually says it. And it's one of the only times I've ever heard him say something this explicitly Christian. But he says, like, he believes they are rolling with Jesus. I think that's what he, the term he uses, yeah. rolling with Jesus. But, yeah, like, it's weird because on one hand, their Christianity, like, got blown out of proportion with those articles that were talking about, like, the wraith, the unveiling when he's, like, when they reveal that the carnival is God, people thought that they meant, like, the Christian God. But they're, they're pretty, like, pure, pluralistic when it comes to their beliefs like i think that they believe that you know in just a a general like holy creator is the word violent j uses the most it seems 
But uh, that's one of the, my, that's what like really attracted me to it when I first got into it was the more like spiritual elements. And so you were born in 92? 91. Okay, so you said you were 11, so that would have been when the sixth card came out. It just, yeah, it just came out. So was that your first them. album, was The Wraith? Yeah, first one I That's bought. crazy, man. I know. Because that's such a different record. I mean, my first was probably Ringmaster, mm -hmm. 37. And um, I I remember listening to The Wraith in uh, college. It came out on my headphones, and I, I was had read the lyrics. Mm -hmm. and it was like, Thy Unveiling, and I read it, and I was like, whoa. So mm -hmm. I knew it was coming. Right. And I was like, this is dope. Yeah. But also, there's a lot of like stuff about like, I don't know, a lot of their... It's like Jesus is not necessarily a vigilante right. who would kill someone for being right. a Ku Klux Klan member. Yeah. And when ICP talk about the Confederate flag and stuff like that, like it's entertaining and you get this idea of like the same satisfaction you get with memes about punching Nazis, like, okay, right. they deserve it. Mm -hmm. But there's stuff about it that's problematic and how they talk about women mm -hmm. and especially like the super villains song about killing gay people, even mm -hmm. though they're being villains, like mm -hmm. I don't know. Like there is some stuff about ICP that's I don't it's it's hard to like really be uh, like as a juggalo how do you mm -hmm. yeah deal with like how do you wrestle with all that stuff well it's not well when i was younger it wasn't very difficult but the more i kind of learn about you know a more traditional type of faith and the i guess i don't want to say mature because that sounds like the people who don't believe what i believe are immature in their faith but the more I have personally grown closer to God or what mm -hmm. it, what feels like is growing closer to God, the more I do struggle with those things and see the incompatibilities. But they don't, like, they, I think, acknowledge those too. And, like, I think yeah. Violent J especially has said that they've written and recorded lyrics that they regret. And it's not, they're not prophets or I think they're entertainers who do strongly believe in something higher than themselves. Yeah. And I think you just get like the, these two incredibly creative and imaginative artists who happen to like love, like over the top, like music, but also other forms of entertainment like wrestling. And they also happen to be very spiritual Right. But they grew up like really, you know, in, in rough situations. So they're, I think, themselves a bit rough around the edges. And I think the who they are as people might be kind of a interesting combination. So that's what their music is. So I, yeah. But yeah, you're right, brother. It, 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 I do wrestle with it, especially these days. I really do. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, 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 I like them, but I do too. Yeah, I love. They're. I would say they're one of my favorite groups of all time. And mm -hmm. playing the gathering was dope. Meeting them, yes. And they were humble and have them sign my Malenko shirt, which I gave to my friend Mike mm -hmm. as a wedding gift when I got married because mm -hmm. he's a good friend. Anyway, I mean, but it's like certain people. You meet people. Uh, ju juggalos. Now it's this thing of like juggalos are. It's 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 combined with this nostalgia for music that was from 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's a lot of new juggalos, unless it's parents that were into them. Right. Well- What do you think? I don't know. I haven't been to a whole lot of concerts lately, but you know, even at DCG Con, like there was, I guess you. it seems like mostly it's probably like the people have been juggalos for a while, but there always seems to be new faces like yeah. coming and going. Um, But you know, this might sound bizarre, but I think that there's an element of like people who are who will get into ICP, like they'll find that music. You know what I right. mean? And I think there's there's almost like waves, and you know this because of how I'm sure you have a, a story of how you got into them. Like they might have just kind of made a splash in a certain way, like whether it was like the shockumentary or you know um, the whole Disney debacle right, right, like right. it's almost like they kind of do these waves and swoop up a bunch of juggalos and that's you know and they might go a little while with just kind of riding the juggalos that they have so i think it grows in like waves yeah ebbs I, and flows or it's like the miracles thing right On yeah like yes Saturday exactly Night, people are like what what is this and then there was a whole wave of the hipsters going to the gathering to do ironic right, vice documentaries yeah. about the 
like sociological, the underclass of America. But That's then people right. realize, that, oh, some of this is cool. Yes, and they, exactly. And they're respected by other people. And I think you're right, man. I mean, Jay-Z had that line that he's raps Grateful Dead, but really ICP are raps Grateful Dead. Mm-hmm. Right. Because <laughs> yes. it's a community. And it is, man. I'll always be a juggalo and till him down in the ground down in the clown till i'm dead in the ground 100 percent. and even like though there are some things that are (laughs) seemingly contradictory to the direction i'm heading with my faith like i would never be ashamed to call myself a juggalo as far as what it means as being a person because the juggalos that i've met i'm so blessed to have met them Yep. And there is a genuine camaraderie and care for one another that you see in that subculture that I, I don't think is quite matched in anything else that I've encountered when it comes to like, you know, fan bases and stuff. And yeah. also the musicians, um, ones that I've met as a fan and also the ones that I met as a uh, peer, like I believe that they really have a genuine love and care for the people who are supporting what they do. Right. And I, that's coming from somebody who, you know, has followed them like probably closer than a grown man should follow the endeavors of another, you know, grown man when it comes to me following like psychopathic records since I've been like 11 years old. I've not become jaded and thinking that they're doing it just for the money. Like I believe no, in my don't. heart, they love what they, they love entertaining the juggalos. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and like the gathering never was super profitable. It was like they'd lose money making it such a spectacle. That's right. And um, yeah, it's. I'm really glad I discovered them, and I'm, I'm glad I met you. Oh man, I'm glad community. I met you. It brings people together. That's what it does, That's and it up. brought us together. Um, you were raised Anglican, yes, and I was raised Episcopalian, which is the American version of the Anglican Church. Yeah, I think for anybody who's super into like, you know, ecclesiastics and like the history of different denominations that might I don't know if that's oversimplifying it, but it, it there's definitely a connection and a connection to or lack thereof to the Church of England with Epis- Episcopalian from my understanding is the big differenti- differentiator there. The connection to England. I think so. The Anglican Church of England. Is the English so version. yeah, that's right. Ang- well, Anglican, yeah, has a like that's the I guess authority from what I understand. Hmm. Like we have the like um I forget what it's called, not Archbishop of Canterbury, uh I forget what the title is. It's not like the, equal to like how much authority the Pope, I guess, would have, but it's a similar figure. And I don't think Episcopalians have that. Okay. And well, because Canada is more British. Y'all are a little more, you have the queen on your money. That's right, yeah. Um, and you can work in England e- more easily than we can, I think, right? You might be able to. I don't know yeah. about that personally. Mm. You might be able to. It's okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what is your day job when you're not rapping and playing concerts around? So I am a, I guess you could say public servant. That's what's I, up. Yeah, I have a government job. Uh, I work, well, I work for the government in, uh, uh, for... It's one of its main services. <laughs> I'm being vague here because I don't know if like I should Yeah, say, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. You work for the government. Yeah. That's yeah, what's public up. servant for the government. And you got yeah. a tight job. Yeah, it's pretty good. I'm you know, I'm I'm lucky. I feel good about it. You um, know, it's challenging sometimes. Do you like the people you work with? I do. do I they, like the people I work with. Yeah. Do they know you do MC snacks? Yes, they do. That's tight. Yeah. Now more so because like since last March, I was I took a little bit of a step back, mm-hmm. but now that I've been doing stuff, working on the new album, you know, uh, even I was telling them about like coming down here to play the show, they they know about it, and I gave them all like some the samplers I printed out for the show. I had done a couple of extra to give out to them. So good job, man. they know now if they didn't before. You did good marketing there. <laughs> oh, thanks, and you're man. very helpful like all night. I appreciate oh, that. Thanks, man. I like to stay busy. That's tight. be useful. That's tight. <laughs> um, okay, so. You have done a lot of reading about the Gospels. You know a lot about the Bible. You know. And Christianity. I really appreciate that. I I have a hard time sometimes with compliments because I don't want to just breeze over and accept and be like, yes, yes, I do, MC Lars. I am an, ex- an expert in the New Testament. But no, I, I have read a lot. You have read. I, a buddy of mine once said something that stuck with me. He's like, I'm not, uh, I'm not well read, I'm widely read. 
<laughs> you are. And I always thought that was funny because it's like a way to kind of like take, I, I do read a lot, but that doesn't mean I absorb or have a good understanding of everything I read. Yeah, but you, you, you're you very interested in it. I am. And you're looking for the truth. Yeah, I am, brother, I am. Have you ever not had faith in God? Yes, sir. And so how did, what was that like and how did you come back? So from ages like, I'd say like 15 to 19 I was actually, I would have like considered myself an atheist. Yeah. I was like really into, it started like getting into people online, like who were into like writing about atheism and writing against religion. And then I got into Richard Dawkins and bought his book, The God Delusion. And I just would like, I was like, wow, I'm an atheist. And I would have told you that for like four years of my life. And... It's, I wasn't just an atheist, actually. Like, I, I probably what people call like an anti theist. Like, I was, I believe that religion was like the source of many of the world's problems. Mm. And I just became kind of turned against it. And a couple of things happened in my life. I had a couple of bizarre experiences. Let's talk about them. <laughs> All right. If you're down, I am down, absolutely. But the listeners whoa, whoa. of this podcast might think I'm insane by the end of it. We're all crazy, man. <laughs> yeah. That's right. So, yeah, I don't know if I want to get... So, well, I guess one of the less crazy things, like a lot of people, I I noticed a lot of coincidences in my life that a lot of them were like, seemed like it was too many to be a coincidence. And I did have some supernatural encounters, which I haven't had many of those, but there Mm -hmm. was a few um, that kind of coincided with me experiencing a lot of sleep paralysis in this one time and (laughs) we might as well just go full into the fringe crazy stuff but a lot of people think and i don't know if i believe this 100 percent, but a lot of people think that sleep paralysis there is something supernatural there it's not just like a totally natural phenomenon and um around the time that i was experiencing i just moved to the states and i was experiencing a lot of sleep paralysis so, for people who may not be familiar with that scientific term, yeah, explain it. So, it's um, when you like wake up, like your mind wakes up, but you can't move. Uh, you're totally frozen. Sometimes it's accompanied by like other sensations, like um, pressure on your chest or weird like mechanical noises, with a lot of other possible hallucinations through sound and. When it's really bad, you hallucinate visually, uh, which has happened to me during it. Mm. And uh, it's, a, it's a horrifying experience. Even if you don't hallucinate, sometimes you just feel this like immense, like indescribable presence of evil um, that's like very, very intense. Jay t- talks about having those in Behind the Paint, doesn't mm-hmm. he? Yeah, he, and he kind of almost is like, he doesn't, uh, he like, it, it to him it's almost like part and parcel with his panic attacks mm-hmm. in some situations it seems and i could see that because it, there's definitely a sense of <laughs> extreme panic when you're having one of those yeah man yeah so i had uh, i've had that in the past but it became exasperated when i moved back to massachusetts i had this was like the third time i had moved there and <laughs> this is gonna sound crazy but I don't know if I even told you this story, Larry. Please, this, this is awesome. It. So, but it's not awesome that you had these these difficult experiences. I I'm saying I appreciate the honesty. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I meant. And the story, I don't want to hype it up too much because it might sound silly to people listening, and they might be like, "Okay, there's a totally reasonable explanation for that." But mm. as I mentioned, moved three times, as you know, to the states. First two were during high school, and then the second time when I was a little bit older. Um, and one of those times during high school, I lost a CD. I had the case, but I lost the disc when I moved back. I, I couldn't find it anymore. And what I was, was it? It was funny enough. It was Blazed at Homie, the well, Colton Grundy's The Undying. Right. Yeah. And I just eventually gave up. I kept the case, but I never had that CD for a few years. And long story short, uh, when that week that I was having all that sleep paralysis, I, I get up one day and that CD 
is on top of a pile of boxes. I still had some boxes in my room because I wasn't totally unpacked. It was just there on top of yeah. my boxes. And that sounds like, I know that's like a big, you know, claim to say that, you know, a random CD just appeared. And I was living with my mom and my, at the time, stepdad. And I asked them, I was like, did you guys put this CD in my room at any time, like in the nighttime or anything? And they were like, no. And again, I don't blame anybody if they're listening to this thing. Oh, they definitely did. They were just messing with you. But to know them like I do and, and they know how much it did mess with my head to this day, I don't yeah. think that they would uh, lie about that or, or try and play a trick on me. So snacks, let me ask you some question. Yo. Could it have been under like piece of, some papers or something that you'd put on the box and it, the papers fell off? It is possible. Right. But I just, it's doubtful. To me, it's doubtful. Fair enough. But it's very possible. Right. I, I don't blame anybody for thinking that there's a logical explanation. But where it was and when I noticed it, I just don't understand how it could be there and not be there. And I know it sounds so That's crazy That's tight. to think that there's like some sort of poltergeist activity in my home. And I don't, I'm not somebody who has a lot of those. Uh, like that's the craziest thing that would trip me, me out too. If I were looking for something extensively and then had night terrors and then all of a sudden something I was looking for just appeared. Yeah. And dude, the sleep paralysis I had was actually so bad, man. That week it was insane before this. No, no. Like the week that this happened. Uh, did you ask to go see a doctor about that or no, I've never seen a doctor about my sleep paralysis. No. Yeah. And it's better now. Okay. Can they help? I don't know. Actually, I do not know. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Have you ever had it? No, I don't think so. But I've had this weird thing where like, this is scary, where I'm like in a, in a dream and I'm like screaming in the dream to wake up and then I wake up like going, oh. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. I did that once in a hotel room in Vegas with some band members and I, I think I tripped them out. Then I was staying <laughs> at a hostel in in um, France Joseph, New Zealand. Mm-hmm. With two like random strangers, and then I that must have been scary. Yeah, like the same thing happened with them. Yeah, or, yeah. No, I was yelling it, and I probably freaked them out, and I left. Do you remember like why you were yelling? Or no, I don't. I remember okay. it was just like a bad. No, I, I remember. I thought both was like I was something was I was dreaming. I was in the hotel room. Something horrible was happening. Oh, okay, you know, but that's not related. But yeah. I, that only happened twice, and both times that really tripped me out. Yeah. So anyway, so so it's gotten better. It has gotten much better, absolutely. And I will say too, just so people don't think like I'm like a kook who is like super willing to believe in anything like a ghost story or something. Like there are, like they can recreate sleep paralysis. Like they can put a patient, <clears throat> they I guess like sleep study people can induce sleep paralysis by creating certain conditions. And that's a lot of people argue that there's nothing supernatural going on there. Like we understand how to make it happen and stuff. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, absolutely. If you were having sleep paralysis and I went over and I'm like, yo, Brian, it's time mm -hmm. to get up. Would, and I grabbed your arm. Would you then be like, oh, cool. I don't know. I've never had sleep paralysis with somebody in the room. Were your eyes open? Yeah, I'm assuming they are. And you can see. Do you see? Do you look around the room? Yes. But you can't move. Can't move. God, that's a scary. muscle, dude. It's brutal. It's brutal. And, like, and then what gets you out of it? Um, you just like, you can't do it like by will. It doesn't seem a lot of people have different techniques, like wiggling their fingers or toes. Cause sometimes you can move just a little bit, but it like takes so much effort just to move. Like, oh. yeah, it's, it's crazy. But now like, it, and it's been a while since I've had it, but the last yeah. couple of times I've gotten it, I just, you got to remind yourself, okay, it'll pass. It'll pass. Um, and I don't know how long, long it lasts in real time, but sometimes it feels like it can last like, you know, four or five minutes. But you know when like you're kind of asleep, that could be, I don't know if that's like five seconds. It's a, it's a weird phenomenon. But like that week, <clears throat> and this is a common thing, you look up people having this during sleep paralysis, <clears throat> like they're getting pulled down their bed. And that happened to me that week. Like I was sleep paralysis oh, getting pulled down Brian. my bed. And I woke up and I was like, ha like I finally snapped out of it and I was halfway down my bed. And the people- What do you mean like down the front or the yeah, side? Like, like, yeah, it was like something was pulling at my feet. So I was like, like my legs were hanging off yeah. more because I was down the bed. And uh, people will say that a lot of people experience that because like 
in this sleep paralysis state, they're like tensing their muscles in a weird way. So like, let's say your foot is like hooked on the foot of the bed uh-huh. and you're tensing, like that would okay. cause you to slide down. And yeah. I don't know, dude, <laughs> it's hard to say. That's scary, dude. It is. So, okay. So then that, that may, led you to believe that helped your faith? It was one of, honestly, it, I will say it was kind of like one of the things that started me thinking like, okay, maybe there's something else going on. And that might sound like a, a minor thing to trigger such a change in my belief system, but that week was crazy. That there was something, some things were unexplainable. Some things were unexplainable. That's exactly right. And that was it. Like, it wasn't like I, I that ha- that week happened and then I was like, oh my gosh, you know, ghosts are real, like everything. Mm-hmm. But it just, in the back of my head, I think it triggered like the possibility of something crazy going on that we can't see. And then... I think, you know, a couple of years had passed and I just kind of started feeling like something pulling me, like, I guess, spiritually. And funny enough, um, Marvelous Missing Link, Lost, came out around this time. Oh, what a record. So, so good. And the intro. Lost came first? Lost came first, yep. I love, and I just want to share, like, yeah, the- um, gatefold vinyl mm-hmm. has the family like the dude who there's like the guy who marries the black woman versus the guy who joins the ku klux klan really and it has like it has it's interesting dude it's in the it has a juxtaposition of photos of two directions that these people went and like one no person way. is like in church and then the same person is doing like taking pills or about to hang himself mm-hmm. the art is nuts on that and if you've ever crazy. seen it i've never seen the vinyl artwork yeah, the gatefold so cool. is crazy and it's um I don't know. I'm trying to think if that's in like the book and the CD or not. They, I can't remember. They did a special vinyl of Lost and Found Together oh, that has it. Oh, cool. That I got on eBay or something. I love that record. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. It is so good. The intro on that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. No, like the intro is amazing. And again- and that's the third card in the second deck? Yes. Yeah, okay. it is. Those of you who- <laughs> You're like, what the heck are you talking about? The yeah. ICP did six Joker's cards as the first deck- of the Joker's cars and each like main that was their bigger records and each of those was a character that was a allegorical representation of the karmic drive to do good things mm-hmm. and then after the sixth card they're like this the end of time and they revealed that they were religious then the second deck was what they're currently on which is like more allegories more characters from the dark carnival that's some background absolutely well cool. said <laughs> um yeah it, but yeah the speaking of the intro how awesome it is like I remember that was one of those things after like a couple of years of just starting to doubt, like, am I like a straight, like, maybe I do believe like there's something. And that was a vague something, but I was like, maybe there is. And then that album came out and it just kind of was right on time because it was talking about placing your faith in something and it wasn't specific, but just something. And then I, I didn't like have like a come to Jesus moment or anything, but I was like, I do believe in something that kind of like nudged me to almost admit to myself that it's okay, you know, to be like, I don't got to be a super skeptic on mm. everything. And then once I started believing in something, I became interested in religion and just reading about like different things like I used to be because when I was younger, like really young, you know, like eight, nine, ten, I would get books on ghosts and all that stuff and aliens and kind of went down that again. And, you know, but then started you know if you want to be honest and get right into it like i started looking up about jesus specifically and it kind of i'm not the only one who's had this experience but i kind of looked just was just interested in in jesus as a historical figure and i became obsessed actually like i was obsessively researching him and you know the early church as well and it became harder for me to believe that he was just a man like I actually started from from just researching him from a historical point of view right I was like okay now there's something here and then I started reading scripture and boom I was like that's oh no up. Jesus all the way that's what's up and he was re he came back he was reincarnated he he wrote he rose again you believe I do believe yeah I believe in the resurrection yeah yeah that's what's up I do I believe in that too yeah that's awesome I, I think that and it's people, and there's maybe scientific 
meth reasons or whatever. He's passed out or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the allegory of the, the empire, mm. the machine, mm. big brother, whatever, <laughs> might kill you. Mm. But it won't kill the goodness you left, mm. and and it's all this thing about his apostles. He had the ultimate street team, right? Mm. <laughs> I've never heard it referred the to that. Ultimate influence, influencers. <laughs> that's right. That street team was grinding too. They were grinding, and it's interesting. The synoptic gospels versus like the diff- the different mm-hmm. ones. Is Luke a synoptic gospel? Luke is, yeah, yeah. Matthew, yeah. Mark, and Luke, and yeah. And John is one of the, it's not synoptic, but it's like the canonical or whatever. It's one of the- You know books. your stuff. Would you ever want to do your master's in theology and become a priest? Um, I've thought about that a lot. I've done a lot of praying on that. Right now, I don't feel a clear calling to be clergy or anything. I don't even know what denominate. I'm still trying to, and I don't know if people are interested to hear about like, where I well, am with tight. that stuff. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> I- uh, I'm still trying to figure out the specifics. Like like you asked me about the resurrection. I believe in that. I believe the gospel, like literally, like I believe in like the miracles, like the resurrection of Lazarus and virgin birth even. Was Lazarus, at, Jesus did that? When was that in the story? Or that was before? Uh, no, no. He Yeah, like Jesus, right? I think there is, there's more That's than one Lazarus. Resurrection. I That I can't say for sure. I don't know because he, he brought back more than one person from the dead. And I don't know if Lazarus is the first one. And I reference that in the Hans Moment song. Right. The Lazarus of Springfield always coming back to life. His name is Moment because yes. he always dies. Um, I have a story to tell you that's similar to that. Sure. Um, 2008, mm-hmm. I was making robot kills. Cool. I've talked about this on the podcast. I had mm-hmm. a bomb management company that with the recession and everything, they dropped me. And so all this energy that was like helping me grow MCLRs suddenly disappeared and like this black hole opened mm-hmm. under me. And I was like, there's something to this. I need to, I have more songs to write. I'm not ready to just go to grad school and that's mm-hmm. fine. Like that's cool. People who like stop touring and stop doing music. Sometimes it's practical, but I was like, mm-hmm. I don't really want to quit yet. Mm. And I remember I was driving, I was living in LA. I was driving back up to Northern California to see my family mm-hmm. and coming over the grapevine and, and it kind of opens up and I swear this is the closest I've had to divine experience. I heard a voice, not, not a literal voice, but in my head saying something like, you have many more people to inspire. It's not time to stop, and it's going to be okay. Wow. And it's emotional to tell you this, but, and I remember listening, I was like, "Some that's weird. Mm-hmm. That's bigger than me. It's, a, it's one of the closest divine things I've had, and I was like, oh, well, okay. Maybe it's just a hunch. But that moment, mm-hmm. I was like, and I was like, okay, I'm not going to quit. What does Violent J call it? Lyenda? Yeah, yeah. At all, any cost. Right, all or nothing kind of thing. All or nothing. I was like, I'm going to make Robot Kills because I was really struggling to make that record in terms of budget and just didn't have a label. And But mm-hmm. I knew it was a great record. And I knew that that record was going to like launch version phase two. Mm-hmm. And then I lo- connected with the Nerdcore guys and it became this thing where like I could work with them without the big music industry helping right and and it was just this breakthrough that was like keep going because there's there's a reason for it and music brought me my wife it brought me uh friendships like our friendship Mm -hmm. it brought me the the ability to feel like i can preach to people and connect with them in a way Mm -hmm. that like i couldn't in any other way right living in this tradition that's bigger than all of us and wow. I think what I do really with MC Lars is I'm preaching this gospel of my version of what's good, what's bad, mm-hmm. how to treat people that were human. It's okay to be weird and have faith. And I'd never do an album. And the closest thing, I guess, is the gospel hip hop and mm-hmm. the song we talked about, Judas Priest, mm-hmm. that like I'd never do a straight up album saying how I, I'm a Christian, but mm-hmm. I put it in there. Mm, oh, yeah. S- sprinkle it. Yeah, and I mean, even like your Twitter bio, you had like a Roman something. 1015, you know? I think. Yeah, I don't think it's a secret, you know, that you yeah. believe in God to people. It's tight. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's something like, like people will disagree, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. I've learned to be at peace. If someone doesn't have faith, doesn't mean I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. just means that we see the world different and that God – isn't I don't think God is going to send these people to hell, and I don't think if you're gay you're going to hell, and mm. I don't think if you're a different religion, God, right? Jesus is too too loving. That's kind of the Rob Bell reinterpretation faith. 
Well, and that's the Woo. thing. And, and that's where like the stuff that I struggle with and still I'm kind of on that like path to, to finding the answers to like the big things like salvation. And cause Jesus is pretty explicit. Like when he says like, I am the way, the truth, the life, no one gets to the father except through me. But <laughs> and we're getting pretty intense on the MC Lars podcast. Bars. Yeah. <laughs> but let's say, you know, if you believe like I, I believe, and I think you believe like Jesus existed before his earthly incarnation, right? Right, right. Um, he was pre-eternal with God the Father. So like, does that mean that you could still get to God the Father through God the Son, even if you haven't heard of Jesus's earthly ministry? Because it's too hard of a pill, like the super mm. strict, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and and I don't believe in my heart either that like, you know, someone who's just cause they're born in BC 40. That's right. Yeah. BC 400. And yeah. that, like that super literal, like you had to place your faith in the earthly, um, you know, uh, ministry of Jesus to get into heaven. Like, I don't know if we're missing the mark there or not, but that's like why there's like Roman Catholics and, and everything else is the whole like faith versus works thing. And it's such an incredibly nuanced theological concept that I've been trying to find the answer for years and I'm nowhere close. So well, it's something we'll be, I think asking questions and not knowing mm -hmm. is the real, is a real definition of, faith right that's right yeah absolutely uh, so okay so the catholic thing is what you can have faith without works and it's all good no i don't so again we're dealing i don't it's going to be hard to navigate this because like there's it's such a complicated issue yeah and it's not black and white i think right. it's just different denominations emphasizing different parts of faith and its relation to works but like like i think and it also has to do with certain specific things that the Catholic church were doing in the 1500s. But yeah, a big difference is like faith in, in a lot of Protestant denominations, like faith is the only thing that can justify you. Right. And it actually in the Bible compares our good deeds to filthy rags, like saying that because we are so broken, right? Like mm -hmm. if you're like asking like a super Protestant biblical Christian, they'll tell you, from what I understand that like they'll say that we're so broken, right, because of the fall and our sin nature, yeah. that we are incapable of being good enough to deserve heaven, right? So that's why Jesus had to do what he did, so we can get what's called imputed uh grace, or mm -hmm. I believe it's imputed grace, by believing in him. It's like a free gift, but you have to put your faith in him. And if you don't do that, then you're not making it into heaven. And the God that I feel like and pray to, I just don't, I can't imagine it being that cut and dry. You know what I mean? Sure. Right. Right. That nothing else matters. And that even if you are save tons of people and help out, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Which just seems a little, that seems like very, to me, like a corporation making a user agreement that only benefits them. Right. You have to be in this club and it doesn't matter if you're a good hearted person. Exactly. But, and what's really interesting is like, so either side of it is harsh in more ways and then like more lenient in other ways. So like, for example, if you're like, like, let's say you're a Baptist, hardcore, just biblical Christian, a lot of them won't believe that you can lose salvation once you have it. So you place your faith in Jesus. And if it's true saving faith, it's yours forever. Um, so like, let's say like you just, you will never lose it. You're, even though you can backslide a lot, you're going to heaven, but in like the Catholic tradition, you can go in and out of salvation, right? That's why you have confession. That's right. But at the same time, they, I think from what I understand, and I'm not a Catholic and I apologize if there's any Catholics here and I'm getting this wrong. Um, Catholics listening, I mean, um, from what I understand is that it's like a sin to presume someone's going to hell because we can't claim to understand God's mercy and the extent of his mercy. So it's such a complicated issue. I apologize if you didn't want to get into it this much because it's just, but it, it is what I spend a lot of time reading because it's so fascinating. So judge not least she be judged. That's right. Judge not lest you be judged. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of freaking wisdom in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, there is. Man. You read the whole thing? Not yet. No. 
What books you read? Yes, sir. So I've read um, pretty much all the New Testament, save for a few letters. But the Old Testament, I've only read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and um, Jonah. And Jonah is like a really short book. How about you? Mm, no, I haven't. I've only read verses and familiar with stories, and never mm. sat down and read it. Mm. But I want to English Standard Version, brother. That's what I recommend. If you yeah. want to read it, read it. Just like when and that's. Chunks. Right, newer than the King James. Yeah, and it's a respected translation, and it's uh-huh. easy to read. And that's what's interesting about Bible, because people say it's a game of telephone, which it is, mm-hmm. Aramaic to whatever to whatever, and then different translations from English. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's that's that's kind of cool. What's your favorite book from the Bible that you've read? Ooh, so far, I'd well, I think Gospel of Luke. Like if I if I'm want. If I'm trying to tell someone like we're, I would recommend them um, uh, starting to get like a idea of like what the Christian faith is when it comes to actual scripture. I usually go Gospel of Luke. Yeah, yeah. Um, Luke is mystical. Mm-hmm. Luke, Luke, Luke. That one was written later, mm. and it has more of the miracles, doesn't it? It might. I, I don't. I didn't know if it was earlier, or later. Um, I took a class on it in high school, and that was something that was one of the themes. Yeah, and I think a lot of um, like the more compassionate side of Jesus is in there too. Like, I think yeah. it's, I think I could be wrong, but I think it's like the only the gospel where he's on the cross and he says, "Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do." I think you're right, and it's where he, he like during his arrest, he heals the Roman soldier's ear after one of the apostles cuts it off, and. It's just a very good, you know, way to connect to his infinite, you know, love towards us. It is. And it's also the one that really, like, shows the resurrection more um, dramatically, Mm. I remember. More like he's floating up and stuff versus Mm. him coming down the mountain. Mm. Um, I did a class, yeah, this class in high school, Dr. Paul Wootenberg taught it, and we, it was cool because it looked at synoptic gospels mm-hmm. and showed how they were different and how they were similar. Mm-hmm. And he said something like the gospel of Luke was told, but it wasn't written down to like a hundred years after. Okay. That's so, possible. I know yeah. like a lot of, I think all of them were written down like, you know, tens of years after. Cause, and you might know more about this, but from like what I understand, they were like an, it was like an oral tradition. Right. It wasn't, yeah. You know, so. It, it to me, it's like harder to have faith <clears throat> in that in the Bible being like totally incorrupt <clears throat> by like you said different translations and time between the events happening to actually being right wrote down. Like I struggle with that. Like I can't look you in the face and say I believe the Bible is one hundred percent without error front to back. Like I can't. I I just I. If I should believe that and I don't, I'm sorry. I ask for God for, I ask <laughs> right. God for clarity all the time. Right. But in my heart, I don't think I believe that. Yeah, I don't either. And, and there are Christians who do. Yeah, oh, I mean, 100%. Literal. And there's stuff about, I, I mean, to be real, like the homophobic stuff and mm-hmm. that stuff is just, some stuff is just not, doesn't age. No. Doesn't, it's like being like, like a book about, I don't know, not to, not to, um, not to trivialize it, but like mm-hmm. a book talking about, how the only way to listen to music is on cassette that was written in the 80s. Mm. That might be a weird example, but like something that doesn't take account for how cultures change or like stuff like um, that becomes cultural, like like in Judaism being kosher because mm. meat and milk wouldn't keep in the desert. Mm. Stuff just changes. And mm-hmm. it's, um, but it's interesting and I respect people's faith. And I've been going to different churches to find out what, uh, what church I am like mm-hmm. i'm going to want to go to baptist church going to different versions of christianity mm-hmm. uh, met, went to a methodist service which was kind of cool oh yeah what was methodist. that like well it's less floral than okay the, than the episcopalian the methodist church is just split though in that there are people who believe that being gay is a sin and people mm-hmm. who don't mm-hmm. so i'm like mm, i don't know if i can mess with this like mm-hmm. i i think this the church i went to was one of the more progressive ones yeah but yeah, you can't just you can't. Jesus wouldn't care who you love. I don't think if and Jesus wouldn't. Uh, I, it's hard to impute um, what he would say, but he would. 
I don't know. He'd love you. If you had a husband, like my cousin's gay mm-hmm. and he's married and mm-hmm. they have an adopted son and they're both Christian. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to his husband about this and about they're going to heaven. Mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah. you know, when, when my mom's mom died, she was in the hospital and I was about to go on tour and I kind of knew I wouldn't see her again. Mm-hmm. My nan, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. And I, she, um, my grandma, and she said, I said, I was crying because I knew I wasn't going to see her again. Mm-hmm. And she said, don't, she said, don't cry because um, I know that I'm going to be in heaven and I'm mm-hmm. saving a spot for you there. Oh, so I'm not scared. Absolutely. And I'd never seen anyone so brave mm-hmm. and so like, it's going to be fine. I'm mm-hmm. not worried. Mm-hmm. And her strength of conviction, that was around the time this happened. Wow. In the, like a similar period. And um, that really stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that all the people that I've lost are up there. Absolutely, and, brother. Me too. Yeah. And that's one of the fun things I like about ICP's like last songs on a lot of their records. Mm-hmm. They talk about heaven and especially Pass Me By on Malenko. Yeah. Right? That people in heaven are like, you know, I think they think, why are you crying? Because because I sh- you should be sad that um, you're not here in this beautiful place. Absolutely. Right? Dude. Absolutely. And I believe that 100%. Yeah. You believe you'll see those people in heaven again? 100%. Me too. I do, I do brother. Absolutely. That's tight. That's what's yeah. up. That, and that's like, that's the joy, right? That's like mm-hmm. the, this is a very religious podcast. And it, I guess we didn't expect it to be, but like, <laughs> no, it goes where it goes, I guess. Yeah. Like that's, that's the thing about the good news. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. You believe it's hope. In, you, it's hope. You believe yeah. in res- the resurrection. And even if it's not true, you know, there's a Pascal's wager. Have you mm-hmm. heard of this thing? Yes, I have. Yeah. That if you believe and you're wrong, well, what do you lose? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're still, but if you're, but if it is true, you you get mm-hmm. in. But I don't think it'd be so procrustean and like like that. That's know? right. And like it comes to the point where like you start trying to decipher the Bible like a, a legal document, and you know it's just so hard. And like I think we're on the same page. And thank you so much for sharing these. We've talked you know for so many times like i told you a story about my grandma no dude no yeah. so I, like i'm i learned something uh, new from this uh podcast about you and, and thank you for sharing yeah. it but i believe that yeah like it god's love is we can't comprehend it for us but i do believe that he does want a personal relationship with us badly and i think he's trying to get it from each one of us martin luther right mm. that idea that it's you don't have to the institution's great but mm-hmm. it's really between us they're not the gatekeepers to the heaven right that can go away and that's tight that's right and and that's the whole like because you don't want to go down like that super hardcore clericalism because like uh, some christians would argue like when jesus was crucified the that um curtain got torn right right in the church that from the top that's right and that that couldn't have happened that 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 was and so many people documented that that actually happened mm-hmm. that that was not just a story absolutely and that's like the whole like um one of the big um parts of the whole protestant reformation like christ alone christ like jesus is the only mediator there's no men that are a mediator. So a lot of Protestants like believe that Jesus work, his work on the cross did away with like the priestly class. Right. And right. I've, I think my problem is I spent too much reading about both sides of it that like, I'm kind of a fence sitter with like, you know, between like the super Protestant worldview and then right. more like, you know, so I'm like. <laughs> well, and this is the crazy thing about Episcopalian Anglican. <clears throat> it's not Protestant and it's not Catholic. That's right. Yeah. So it's like people at like, I always thought I was Protestant, but our Ash and I, when we got married, it was a Episcopal church. It was so dope of her to like go along with that because she's mm-hmm. she was raised Catholic, but she's kind of um, maybe a more agnostic. She, mm-hmm. be- I mean, not to get into her faith, she believes in God and all that. But like mm-hmm. um, Neil from Cuckoo Kangaroo, his wife Becky mm-hmm. was like, "Was that a Catholic service? Because that felt very Catholic." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh yeah, I guess that's right." The communion, mm-hmm. like all that flavor, absolutely. Yeah. And then it's the thing: transubstantiation versus consubstantiation. Right, exactly. So it's yes, you yes. actually literally eat Jesus versus mm-hmm. it's a metaphor. Yeah. And that's like I went to Catholic school one year, and I remember I'd ask a lot of questions, man, and I'd mm-hmm. ask like we did a uh, the t- 
we had religious class, and then we'd mm-hmm. have science class. And then I remember we'd learn about hell and religion class. Mm-hmm. And then the teacher was drawing the earth and the crust and the mantle. I raised my hands like, so where exactly is hell? Mm-hmm. If that's like, a, and they were not having that question. I'm like, really? You're, te- you're telling us conflicting things. We're going right. to ask questions, you know? Yeah. Oh, I just, I just intellectually, <clears throat> intellectually, like, it's great to have faith. But, Absolutely. But it's great to be able to ask questions about it. 100%. Otherwise, yeah. You don't, yeah. And I, I feel like God would encourage it. Like, if I'm being honest with you and whoever's listening to this, like, I go right now to a Baptist church. Okay. And, like, a pretty, like, hardline biblical Baptist church. And they know the things that I'm struggling with, right? And they're trying, you know, they are super open to the questions that I have. Why Baptist, Brian? So I, it was just close to my house. Okay. And I wanted to look for a new church. I knew that I had to, I wanted to worship in, in group worship. Mm-hmm. And they had better music, right? Well, you know something? And Episcopal here's a music, whole other deep yeah. conversation. Right. I don't know how much of our religious experience is aesthetics. You know uh-huh. what I mean? And so many denominations have different aesthetics. I feel because i grew up in an anglican church i shouldn't say grew up i went okay like on occasion to an anglican church growing up um that kind of like midway like where it's not super catholic but it has liturgy and like saints on the stained glass windows like that resonates with me and honestly i kind of miss that going to just a straight up baptist church where there's like just you know the wooden walls and and hymns and a sermon. I love the hymns. More energetic. They are. They're like more kind of upbeat. More modern. Sometimes I love, but sometimes I kind of miss the you know all like high church. I guess you could say hymns. Like and but I don't like if God is immutable and ever changing. Like are these certain aesthetics and denominations? Like are they just time and place ways for certain people to feel close to them? Like I wonder how much someone is drawn to a certain denomination is because of the aesthetic value of that denomination you know what i mean well it's like uh, it's like culture and taste and it's like food and if you smell something it tastes a certain way Mm -hmm. you have to smell food to taste it's pavlovian right right it it resonates with that certain things you remember and Mm -hmm. it's it's a whole bunch of things i don't yeah there's not just one it's like there's a million songs yeah exactly a million flavors flavors Now scrub is a term misunderstood I even hear people use it like it isn't good So what's it all about? You might ask Well take in the facts from your homie snacks Every class had a kid who you knew That wore the same shoes and clothes As the year before And it's not because every scrub is poor We just don't always look like the norm A scrub makes better use of the time They don't rely on looks or the money for the shine A scrub will grab the date in the 88 rusted tempo But she'll faint from Spooning like a shiny death though You might think we're lazy but a true scrub knows A scrub ain't a scrub unless they got goals While others worry about all the things they want A scrub appreciates all the things they got It isn't anything you can buy You don't need to save every nickel and dime Cause if they hated every style that you tried You just gotta learn how to scrub till you shine It isn't anything you can buy You don't need to save every nickel and dime Cause if they hated every style that you tried You just gotta learn how to scrub till you shine I ain't got a dollar in my pocket but I still rock it Warrior scrub, everybody chock it Flock it, dirty killer keep it poppin' Dead batteries in my mic but I ain't stopping. Keep it clean with a grimy Don't need fresh shades to float Or Kanye telling me what's dope Cause I'm a scrub for life And I don't need to hear what you think sweet Because my own opinion's complete Keep it scrubbing for life It isn't anything you could buy You don't need to save every nickel and dime Cause if they hated every style that you tried You just gotta learn how to scrub till you shine 
it isn't anything you can buy You don't need to save every nickel and dime Cause if they hated every style that you tried You just gotta learn how to scrub till you shine So if you got scrub love, don't try and hide Just bump the song to show scrub pride This is for the broke kids who brag about it For the kids other kids didn't hang around with I was that kid, been a scrub since birth But now it's time for scrubs to inherit the earth It's not often that fashioned on the mind of a scrub But you'll need sunglasses for the shine of the scrub It isn't anything you can buy You don't need to save every nickel and dime Cause if they hated every style that you tried You just gotta learn how to scrub till you shine It isn't anything you can buy You don't need to save every nickel and dime Cause if they hated every style that you tried You just gotta learn how to scrub till you shine That was Scrub to You Shine featuring Anybody Killer from MC Snacks' EP, Healing Sounds of the Benevolent Realm, Volume 2. You can get that at mcsnacks.bandcamp.com. Next week, we're going to talk more about some of the stuff we were talking about. Basically, what it's like living in Newfoundland and Labrador. Holler. The only guest I've ever interviewed from there. I hope you're all staying safe. I'm going to be back with the Freestyle Fridays, all that stuff. Thank you for listening, and uh, thanks to Snacks for opening for us and for doing the interview. Sending much love to all of you. Talk to you soon. Peace. Oh, by the way, this was the MC Lars podcast, and I'm MC Lars. Okay, that's it. Bye.